Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. Today is Monday. It is the 19th of September. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Statewide candidates from both major political parties spoke to key voting groups over the weekend. Gubernatorial candidate Deidre DeGier and a band marched into the Polk County Democrats' steak fry. DeGier told the crowd of Central Iowa Democrats that freedom is on the ballot, like freedom to access reproductive services and a quality public education. We've got a lot of fight ahead of us, but I know that we have what it takes to get it done because we've done it before. Candidates like DeGier and U.S. Senate candidate Mike Franken need to win Iowa's largest county by a big margin to offset Republican wins in rural counties. GOP candidates spoke to the Iowa Faith and Freedom Coalition Saturday night. It's a key conduit to evangelical voters who play a big role in the GOP coalition. U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley was cheered for his role in blocking former President Obama's nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court and getting former President Trump's picks confirmed. Governor Kim Reynolds said it's time for the evangelical movement to go beyond the generational victory of getting Roe v. Wade overturned. And let's get fired up about keeping America, America, and taking this country back. Come on, let me see it. Election day is 50 days away. The Secretary of State is also on the ballot this midterm. Republican Secretary of State Paul Pate and his Democratic challenger Joel Miller say they have different ideas of what role... Iowa's top election officials should have in the lawmaking process. Miller, who runs elections in Lynn County, says Pate should have tried to stop GOP lawmakers from cutting the amount of time Iowans have to vote. He says Pate's office did not publicly weigh in on the 2021 bill. Yet in 2017, he was very proud to say that he was for voter ID and registered on those bills. Uh, Why the lack of interest in the 2021 election laws that had the most impact on us. And that's that's a problem. Miller says the new election day deadline for absentee ballots prevented some votes from being counted in the primary. Miller says Pate should be doing more to disavow prominent Republicans who have denied the results of the 2020 presidential election. Meanwhile, Pate says he works on a regular basis to dispel false information about Iowa's elections and that he commits to certifying the results of the 2024 presidential election. As a secretary of state, you don't get to wear a team jersey. You're the referee. So you follow the laws and the rules that you have on the books. And when you look at the last presidential election, if you follow the laws on the books like we did here in Iowa, uh, then we have a legitimate winner and we need to recognize that. They made their comments on Iowa Press over the weekend that aired on Iowa PBS. Since the Iowa Department of Corrections has changed its mail system, advocates are raising concerns about the potential effects this could have on inmates and their families. IPR's Catherine Wheeler has more. All non-legal mail, like personal letters, pictures, and cards going to inmates at state prisons must be sent through a third party that will scan the originals and send the copies to inmates. The DOC says this new system is meant to stop drugs from getting into prisons through the mail. But Johnson County Assistant Public Defender Julia Zielinski says this new system could have a big impact on inmates who are trying to maintain connections with people on the outside. I think taking that away from people just really sort of contributes to the overall dehumanization that prison inflicts. 
and makes it harder for people to feel like they are still members of, you know, their family, still members of their community. Non-legal mail can still be sent through the Postal Service to the address that's listed on the DOC's website, where there's also a list of guidelines on what can be sent. And next week, the White House will hold its first hunger, nutrition and health conference in more than 50 years. As Harvest Public Media's Dana Cronin tells us, the conference could lead to big policy changes in how the U.S. combats hunger. Some of the federal nutrition aid programs, like for Women, Infants, and Children, or WIC, were born out of the original White House Hunger, Nutrition, and Health Conference during the Nixon administration. Lindy Buckingham Shutt is an assistant professor of community health and nutrition at Iowa State University. She says the 1969 conference has had a lasting impact on food and nutrition security. Thinking about all that came out of that, it's really encouraging to think what could come out of of the conference there is today. Specific details of the conference are still vague, even though it's taking place at the end of the month. This is Here First from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from The Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. Telemedicine abortion care remains legal in Iowa, but that's not the case in some other states around the Midwest. That means patients must navigate state-by-state rules to figure out the legal options, and doctors are weighing the risks of providing care in a legal gray area. For the Midwest Newsroom, Farah Yusri reports. Dr. Allison Case spends much of her time in a hospital where she delivers babies and helps patients get contraception. She also provides abortion services. Case lives and works in Indiana, where abortion is now banned with few exceptions. She's also licensed to practice in New Mexico, a state where abortion remains legal. Before Indiana's abortion ban took effect, she'd use her days off to provide reproductive health services, including abortion care, to patients in New Mexico via telehealth. Many of them travel from neighboring Texas where abortion is banned. Some people are buying hotels. Other people might have family or friends they can stay with. Some people are just sleeping in their cars. Like, it's really awful. All of that just to be able to hop on a 10-minute call with a doctor who, in many cases, happens to be in an entirely different state. On an afternoon in August, Dr. Case sat at her computer, her cat nestled in her lap, and she spoke with a patient. Hi, this is Dr. Case from Holman's Health. How are you today? Uh, So, yeah, I know by the time... I can't hear the other side of the call, but Case tells me the patient is a pregnant college student from Texas who sits in her car and only shows the top half of her face. She drove for hours to New Mexico to get a prescription for abortion pills, and she has some concerns. Case walks her through them. So I'm not going to tell you it's not going to hurt at all because it's definitely uncomfortable, but most people do. Most people get through it fine with those medications. Um, Medication abortions work for most people who are under 11 weeks pregnant, and research suggests that abortion via telemedicine is pretty safe and effective. As for whether it's legal, that's where it gets complicated. In many states with abortion bans, it is illegal for a doctor to provide abortions via telemedicine. It's not clear, though, what that means for doctors like Case, who are physically located in a state where abortion is mostly banned, but are using an out-of-state medical license to provide care for patients in a place where abortion is legal. One lawyer told Case... If anyone tells you they think they know, like, they have certainty about this stuff, she was like, they're, like, out of their mind. 
Katie Watson agrees. She's a law professor and medical ethicist at Northwestern University in Chicago. She says this is uncharted territory. We're talking about something that's a protected right in one state and a felony in a sister state. And the map is a patchwork. She says even if states don't explicitly say doctors can't provide abortions via telehealth in other states. In a draconian enforcement environment, You may not have violated the letter of the law, but creative prosecutors may look for a reason to persecute you. There's no slam dunk argument they can use here, she says, but in a charged political environment, there is a risk to providers. So it comes down to how much risk they're willing to assume. Right now, the need for abortion care is great, says Amy Hackstrom-Miller. She leads Whole Woman's Health, a clinic that provides telemedicine abortion services in states like New Mexico, Illinois, and Minnesota. She says she's talked to providers about the potential risks. So just because you comply with the law doesn't mean that anti-abortion people won't come after you. For her part, Dr. Allison Case in Indiana has decided she likely stop providing telemedicine abortions for out-of-state patients. She says if the patient volume is high enough, she might consider driving to Illinois to provide those services. I just think it's a crazy thing to think I will drive one and a half hours to Illinois to use my New Mexico license to help people driving from Texas to New Mexico to get their abortion. It's just, like, madness. And it will likely continue this way as each state decides on its own abortion rules. For the Midwest Newsroom, I'm Farah Yusri. This story comes from a collaboration between SideFX Public Media and the Midwest Newsroom. This is Here First from IPR News. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you find them. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks for listening.